Hi, this is Olivia Parsons from Live Gluten Free, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, food bloggers, are you ready to accomplish your 2023 goals faster than you ever thought possible? If you are nodding your head yes right now, the eBlog Talk Mastermind program might be a great fit for you. We are now accepting applications for 2023, and I will let you in on a little secret. If you sign up before the end of November 2022, you can lock in at the current pricing. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash mastermind for more information and to apply. Brittany and Terrence are the awesome blogging duo behind plantpowercouple.com. And here they are talking about how the mastermind program can massively boost your confidence and how this can so positively impact your business. If you feel isolated, if you feel like one of the main things that's holding you back in business is like your own struggle with believing in yourself and your own struggle with believing that you can do this, I think you need to do it. I think it's the biggest thing that can change your your the trajectory of your business and your mindset yeah Yeah. like it's not just yes you learn these things but you gain a sense of community and support and just like accountability and you start to believe in yourself more and you start to be able to like borrow these other people's belief in yourself so that you can build yourself up while you're getting there Hey, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 357. I have Olivia Parsons with me today. She's going to talk to us about how to efficiently fit video into your food blogging workflow. Olivia has been the food blogger and content creator behind LiveGlutenFree.com since 2020. At the beginning of the pandemic, she dove headfirst into the food blogging world, focusing on efficient workflows, adapting to trends, and creating quality recipe, photography, and video content. Olivia has been gluten-free due to an intolerance for over four years now and shares 100% gluten-free recipes, often with dairy-free, vegan, or other dietary modifications. She lives in the Toronto area with her taste-testing family on her mission to prove that eating gluten-free does not have to be fun-free. Olivia, so grateful to have you here today. How are you? Hi, Megan. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Me too. I think this is going to be a great one and so valuable for food bloggers. But do you have a fun fact to share first? I do. And my fun fact is that I actually have a degree in civil engineering. Oof. So very different from here we are with the food blogging. That is Um, funny. I mean, not funny, but like, yes, very different. (laughs) Very different, very unexpected. So I completed a five-year university program in civil engineering with a minor in business. And for those who may not know, civil engineering is like roads, buildings, kind of all the things that you see in our society. That's what civil engineering focuses on. And so a kind of sub fun fact is that when you graduate from a university engineering program in Canada, you actually receive a ring to wear, which we call the iron ring. And so you may notice this in some of my recipe videos that I actually wear this silver looking ring on my left pinky finger. You are to wear it on the pinky finger of your dominant hand. 
And so the purpose of this iron ring is to serve as a constant reminder of the ethics and obligations of the engineering profession. Since, you know, the things that engineers do, it's a big deal. And it is to be taken seriously when, you know, lots of things are at stake with the designs and, you know, what it is that we do. So this ring serves as a reminder of the importance of that. And so I just thought it was funny, you know, I come from Mm -hmm. this, you know, educational background. And here I am with this ring on my finger that you can kind of see in some of my food videos. So anyone who is familiar with engineering in Canada would recognize that. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. I love how we're talking about video so we can actually maybe go see this ring that you are referring to. That's super cool. And I was also going to say, it's weird how common it is for people to be on here and to say a fun fact like that. Like I have a degree in like something completely unrelated to food blogging, but that happens more than you would think. And I don't know why that is. Maybe food blogging is just like a fun, creative journey experiment or something that people do. I don't know. It's just weird how common that is. Yeah, no, I can see that though, because, you know, I come from, you know, engineering is a very intense analytical program. And then, you know, when I come to food blogging, I do still find that I get to use aspects of that, you know, like the organization, the communication and all those analytical skills that I had to do. But this, you know, food blogging lets me have a much more creative outlet. And so maybe it's those people who kind of like the mix of the two, but I find it works really well. And food blogging isn't all creative. There is, like you said, there is a lot of analytical and thinking involved. So it's just, it just happens to have some creativity built in too. So very interesting topic. We should talk about that some other time, Olivia. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Dig into the reason for all of that. Okay, you're here to talk about video and I'm really excited about this because it's an angle that we haven't really covered here on eBlog Talk. So do you want to just start by telling us about your food blogging journey since it started not too long ago and how you got to the point where you realized you needed to dig into short form video? Totally. So I began food blogging in 2020, just after the pandemic. I had just graduated actually from this engineering program during the pandemic, a little bit chaotic. And I was working just a contract job that I was lucky to have lined up. But in my spare time, I came across a food photography course, food photography school, for those who are familiar, and I took it. I learned that there was so much more behind that in terms of the blogging world, and I learned just how much possibility there was, you know, looking at people's income reports and seeing, you know, some of the big bloggers and also looking at the little bloggers who were coming in and seeing how fast they were growing And it was just so inspiring to me. So I went headfirst in and I started my blog shortly after in about the summer of 2020. I was formerly liveglutenfree.ca and I've since switched over to be liveglutenfree.com. And for, I guess, the past two years, I've been there creating 100% gluten-free recipes. I focus on people with dietary restrictions because I believe that everybody should eat good food. I myself have a gluten intolerance and I do avoid dairy for the most part. So that's my key combination there. And yeah, I just I just love to make good food that, you know, no one would guess is gluten-free. Mm. 
Yeah, that's great. And it's so, your blog is so young and I'm, yeah, I'm just so inspired by the fact that you got in and you were like, okay, there are people who are making this work, not just work, but crushing it. And it's new bloggers and more seasoned bloggers. So you just decided that you were going to dig in and figure out how to make it work for yourself. So how did video come to be a part of that whole equation? Yes. So, you know, this was around the time, you know, summer 2020, fall 2020. This was right around the time when Instagram Reels launched. And so I had seen them around. I saw people start to create them. It certainly wasn't what it is now, but it was the first introduction of video. And, you know, I think I had just downloaded TikTok around the same time as well. So right when I started blogging was when the video boom kind of started. So, you know, I don't really know the world before it as well. So, you know, I I saw these videos coming up. I saw, you know, the larger bloggers saying, when Instagram has a new feature, you need to jump on it. You need to stay on top of the trends. I saw people saying this and in my head, you know, I, I knew that was true. I need to stay on the trends, stay current And that's how my content will be pushed out on social media. I knew that I had to do this in my head. I just really struggled with how to fit that into my process that I already had, you know, with our keyword research, recipe development, process photos, final photos, blog post writing, then social media. I was like, how the heck do I fit video into this? Yeah, because it is a lot, right? So, (laughs) like, how do I fit this whole puzzle together exactly? And I love that you mentioned that you didn't know pre reels. You came in when reels were a thing. And a lot of us more seasoned bloggers are like, oh my gosh, reels are so new. But I just think it's so cool that there are bloggers out there who are killing it that didn't know the pre reel world. I don't know. That's kind of mind blowing to me. So how did it go from there? So you needed to fit video into your whole workflow and your process. So how did you set that up? Yeah. And, you know, at this time, I was still figuring out, you know, my whole blogging process. It's only been about two years. And so my process has evolved to be, you know, I think much more efficient these days. And so adding in video, too, I was like, how the heck am I going to do all of this? Because, you know, I was a, you know, and I still am a big consumer of this video content on Instagram and TikTok. So I could pick out, you know, what videos were doing well and I enjoyed them, but I still couldn't figure out how to fit a video into my blogging workflow, you know, without having to remake a whole recipe again just for a video. Because that was the thing, you know, you're making a recipe, you're you're testing it maybe one, two, three, four plus times. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to get your process pictures and then you've got to get your video. So that's a lot of things to handle. And it it wasn't until this year in 2022, maybe February or March time. I don't know what happened. I just had a revelation. Yes. Love those revelations. It just clicked and it came to me and I thought, Video should be used to record the action of performing recipe steps. And then the process photos should capture the result of said step. And that way we can capture both at the same time while making a recipe. Brilliant. Oh my gosh, I love it. So you ran with that. You had this revelation and you're like, yes, this is awesome. Yes, I ran with it. And this 
you know, really helped me streamline my process because that was the main problem. I was like, I have to do these process pictures for SEO. I knew that that was very, very important, but the video it was, you know, trying to capture the same things. And so I really struggled with how to do both at the same time until I had this revelation. And, you know, I can provide a couple of examples of my workflow to really help you yeah, understand take us what through an I example. Do. Like take us through maybe a certain recipe and how you do this. Totally. So let's say that I'm doing a cookie recipe, chocolate chip cookie recipe. My first, well, of course, I have a tested and developed recipe at this point, and I'm going to shoot my final content for the blog and for social media video. So I pre-measure out all of my ingredients so that I can guess that, get that nice ingredient shot at the beginning for the blog. Then once you have everything pre-measured out, it's very easy. The recipe will come together quite quickly. So I will turn on, I, I use my phone to record my videos. So I'll turn that on and I will record me doing every step. So the first step would be say whisking together my butter and sugars. I'll take a video of that. And then at all of the key steps in the recipe, I will stop the video, I'll kind of move my bowl over and I will take a process picture of what the batter should look like. And then I'll take my bowl back and then I'll mix in my dry ingredients, stir them all together. Then I'll stop, take it back and take a process picture. Because in my mind, the process pictures, when you're going through a blog post, you think about how a user would use it. You want to see, you know, what the cookie dough looks like so that you can compare and see, you know, does my cookie dough look like that? So, you know, having, you know, a picture of me pouring flour into a bowl isn't really as helpful as, you know, the final cookie dough so that I can see if mine looks right. So that revelation kind of, you know, really helped me also that the process picture is to help the reader on the blog to see if they're following correctly. And then I can use video for, you know, all of the high action things like the mixing, the pouring, the chocolate chips, all of those things that people you know, find interesting and they keep watching. And so the video and the pictures I realized really do have two separate purposes. And through that, I'm able to kind of go back and forth recording each one in the same making of the recipe. Okay. This is brilliant. I think, I mean, you're speaking my language here. I think you know that <laughs> Olivia, like streamlining and making yes. things more efficient is what food blogging is all about, because if you can't find those ways to do this, then you are just working all the time. So I love your revelation. I love that you took it and ran with it and that you found this great process. I think we can all learn from you. So what do we do, or I guess, what do you do with your video once you have it? So you've got all these videos of the action, then what do you use that for? Like, how do you repurpose it? Yes. So there, there are so many ways to use video these days. There's so many different trends, you know, the apps I sort of find require different things. And I'm going to go into that. But I've, you know, upon watching all of this content, I have found about five main types of food videos that you're then able to edit together with this content. 
So the first one would be a classic hands-in-pan style recipe. These were the original videos, you know, with the tasty videos and everything. When you're not in the video yourself, you've just got the camera down and you're mixing, you're showing your hands, and then you're showing the final recipe. And this is one that I do a lot of the time. It's probably one of the easiest ones to record since, you know, you don't have to be ready. You're just showing the bowl, what you're mixing, and then showing the final product. And so this, you know, when you show the whole recipe in this way, they can do fairly well because they are very helpful for the people watching in how to make your recipe. The next one that I've seen people doing is sort of a playoff of the hands and pans is where people will film yourself while you're making a recipe. So the camera will be in front of you versus down on the food. And so you're in the video and you know this one is really effective because it gives sort of that human element behind the scenes. And you know, if you do it consistently, people will start to recognize your face once they see a video. So filming yourself is really good for engagement and community building because people can build up that relationship with you. And so I see people oftentimes doing a combination of these two. So for one shot, you'll film yourself, you know, pouring the sugar in. And then the next one, it's the bowl with something falling in. So changing up the angles, uh, especially when you're editing, is really helpful for keeping interest and keeping it quick. Because video these days is quick, quick. Mm. (laughs) Yes, so true. The next little one that I've noticed, this is specifically on Instagram, I see them do well, is short teaser videos. So you've recorded the whole recipe, that's great, you use it for the previous two types of videos, but these short little teaser videos, they'll have maybe one or two important steps in the recipe, but mainly it's a beauty shot of the final recipe, usually about, you know, three to seven seconds on Instagram to those trending sounds. And these ones, you know, have a tendency to blow up. It is just crazy. I had one video go super viral on Instagram Reels back in May 2022. And it was literally just like a five second video of some someone saying, wow, 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 wow. And I was showing different, <laughs> different recipes. It was five seconds long and it got almost 5 million views what? on Instagram. Wow. And that resulted in about 30,000 followers. Oh my gosh. Which is crazy. And so these, these little short videos, don't discount the, oh the short gosh. little teaser videos because, you know, with the algorithm, it's based on, you know, watch time and how engaged people are. So with these short, quick little videos, people end up watching them several times in a row just because it's so short. And so that can really help boost you up in the algorithm. And so there's one that went viral. You know, I've, I would have at that point, I had been trying to do video consistently. But at the same time that with all of these, there was a little element of luck to it, mm-hmm. I think. You know, you get picked up, swooped up, and people keep watching. And it's great. But that type of thing is hard to predict without the consistency of continually putting out these videos. Oh, that was, I loved what you just said. That was the best line. There is sometimes an element of luck and you just have to be consistent in order to increase the chances that you can tap into that, right? Basically, yeah, because if, if you're only putting out, you know, one video a month, 
and then, you know, maybe that one doesn't take off, then there you go. There's nothing else for the people to see. So that's, you know, one of the number one tips with video is to be consistent and to keep practicing. Even if you don't think that you've put together the best video, put it out there because you never know what's going to happen. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Sometimes those things we put out that take off are things that we discounted or we were about to just shove under the rug. <laughs> so you never know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that one video that went viral, I it was not the one that I had planned. It was one that I put together in about five minutes before posting and thought, what the heck? Let's throw it up there. And it ended up being very successful for me. So you never know. Oh, I love that. Okay, what other kinds? Do you have any other ones to go through? Okay, I had two more types of the main types of food videos that I see. The next one I call educational tips and tricks. So I did one where I have this tip where whenever I bake cookies, I take them out of the oven right away and I run either a cookie cutter or a glass around the outside of the cookie to shape it into a perfect circle. So I I had seen people before do this. I don't take credit for the tip. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you film it as a part of your recipe making, then you could pull that out as a whole other separate video, share the tip with people who, you know, there's definitely people out there who don't know that. And you can share a little educational tip and trick that, you know, people really eat those up when they're when they learn, get to learn fun new things that like, oh, I may not have come across that before. That one can really help, you know, earn your trust and authority as a food source. So that's a good one to throw into the mix as well. And you can do double duty with that. So while you're filming a recipe, you can also do those tips and tricks. Oh, absolutely. Any little things that that you do, and you know, you might not even pick up on it, like little tips that you do can be so helpful for people. So just share all of those little things that you do. And there's bound to be people who find it new and interesting. Yeah. Okay. What's your last type? The last type that I have is called behind the scenes. So this would be, you know, maybe while you're making a recipe video, you could maybe, you know, film a secondary video at the same time of you behind the scenes making this video or of something that's going on while you're making the video and put together a, you know, behind the scenes of how I make my food videos. And, you know, I'll do this sometimes and I'll show, you know, my lighting setup. I use artificial light for my photos. Maybe I will show, you know, the disastrous mess that's on the counters (laughs) afterwards. So these little things behind the scenes so that, again, people can see the real person that you are. And, you know, people love it when, you know, you'll throw in something that maybe doesn't go right in a video. Maybe, you know, the flower flies everywhere or something. People love the little imperfect moments. And so uh, throwing some of those in behind the scenes and maybe editing them together into its own behind the scenes video. Maybe you're including some bloopers at the end of a regular video. Those types of things keep it real. And again, let people get to know you more. Behind the scenes videos are my most popular type of video. People love that. They eat it up. There you go. I know because it's so fun. You know, you see all these recipe videos, you're like, oh, cool. But to see someone create that in the back end, it's very interesting for people. People get very curious about, you know, how it works, what you're doing, you know, what your process is. So sharing your process. I mean, I even as a fellow food blogger, I find it so fascinating. 
Yeah, and the messes I find that people are really intrigued about too because you assume food bloggers have everything put together in the kitchen, everything's always clean. And we all know that's not the case, but it's yep. fun sharing that with people because they they eat it up. They just think that's hilarious. Seeing a huge kitchen full of dirty dishes is like, okay, she's actually a real human. Yes, absolutely. All of those little moments showing, you know, the real person behind you know, the hands in the pans is what really helps build community engagement and interest in watching these videos too. You know, I can be, you know, guilty sometimes of getting too comfortable, maybe just filming my hands in pans type videos. And so throwing in, you know, a shot of yourself or a behind the scenes video every so often can really help people get to know the person behind the hands in pans. I like that concept. Just throwing in a little bit of discomfort on our end once in a while actually adds value to the consumer, the people consuming our content. That's such a good concept, which kind of leads to my next question. And that is audio, because I know a lot of people don't like video. They don't like being on video, having their face on video, or maybe their body even. But audio is a really good way to kind of tiptoe into the world, you know, it's like a yes. like stepping up into being more comfortable with putting yourself on video. So what do you recommend for audio? Totally. So I would say the first type of audio that I see trending a lot is the ASMR. So there's no background sound, there's no voiceover. It is just, you know, the sound of the bowl hitting the counter and then the whisking of what's in the bowl and then the pouring into the batter and the sound of you putting it in the oven. And these videos, you know, they're typically edited quite quick because you just want to have those key noises and you need to be conscious of, you know, if you're trying to film an ASMR video, you can really be deliberate about making these specific noises so that they stand out once you're editing it together. And these ASMR videos are really great, I find, on social media because there's no sound, there's no language, so there, there's no language barrier. So they can really go far and wide because these videos can be, you know, anyone can find them, anyone can understand them. So these ASMR type videos can be really successful for that reason. Food bloggers, I want to take a really quick second here to talk to you about something new that we're starting this summer. I'm super excited about it. I am loving this new movement of food bloggers who are digging into podcasting as a way to add an awesome, unique new layer to their business. I feel so passionately about this topic. Audio is so powerful and food bloggers digging into audio in the form of podcasting is going to be a huge, successful movement it will be a way to expand your brand into new areas that you cannot even imagine. There is an entire episode dedicated to this. So go listen to episode number 306 if you haven't already. And I promise you're going to be inspired to dig into audio yourself. As a way to support this movement, I am creating a group coaching experience starting in June of 2022. If you are interested in joining us, there are a limited number of spots available just because I want to give you all my dedicated attention. Send me an email at megan at eatblogtalk.com if you're interested. I am including an introductory rate. It's a monthly rate. If you want in, you will be locked in at that rate. Send me an email. Tell me you're interested in the group coaching for podcasters. And I can't wait to see you inside and I can't wait to see how this just totally explodes your business. All right, back to the episode. 
So the next audio type that I see a lot and that I create a lot is a voiceover. So I will record, you know, the whole process of making a recipe. And then in my voiceover, you can do a a couple different things in your voiceovers. You can explain the steps of you going through the recipe so that someone can follow along with you both visually and audibly. Or what I find successful that I see people do is in their voiceover. So again, in the video, they're making whatever recipe it is. And in the voiceover, they're telling a story that may or may not have anything to do with the recipe that they're making. And because people are listening and they're trying to figure out what's going to be the end of the story, they watch the whole video. So that one is a really good way to keep the viewership up, keep the engagement, is to tell some sort of interesting story. It can relate to the recipe or not, but it will keep people watching for the whole time. So that's a really good one that I've seen. Okay, I have an answer for ASMR, but go ahead and I know you have another audio type. Why don't you talk through that? Yes, the last one that you'll see is trending songs. So there's trending songs on TikTok and there's trending songs on Instagram. Oftentimes they're different trending songs, but you know, you can go in on both of them. You can kind of go over to like the the viral song page and you can see what's trending. Or even if you just give it a scroll for five minutes, you'll likely see several of the same song trending. And so putting that song over your video can really help give it a boost in the algorithm because it knows that, you know, videos with this sound, people are watching them. And so if you put that song over your video, it may give it just another boost to get it seen in the algorithm. And I do this two ways. I'll either put the trending song full volume, so that's the only audio, or sometimes I'll turn the volume of the song all the way down so it's just a little background. And then I'll also do a voiceover on top to kind of explain the recipe or whatever it is. But having a trending song in your video just gives it another chance in the algorithm. Don't discount those trending songs. Once I started believing that because I was like, oh, how, how effective can this be? But I started playing with it a little bit. And there's a lot of power in those trends and like hearing a song that's really trendy. So play around with that. Yeah. Yes. And it's best, of course, if you can hop on it as soon as possible. These trending songs go in and out within usually a couple days. So, you know, being a viewer and a consumer of this content as well will help you stay on top of what's trending at the moment. Okay, so ASMR, Olivia, stands for Autonomic Sensory Meridian Response. I don't know how, like, wow, I'm glad it's an abbreviation. No one's ever (laughs) going to remember that. But it's basically referring to that experience you get when you're exposed to either auditory or visual stimuli, like what you're talking about, like the bowl or the whisking or whatever, and how that can actually be pleasing to people. So I love that. There you go. Thank you, Megan. Yeah. So we have a few audio types we can choose from to go along with all the video types that you mentioned. Thank you for running through all of those. Now, how do we decide what to do with all of this once we've got our videos and audio together? Absolutely. So the main platforms that I personally show up on are Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest. 
And this is going to vary from person to person. So like I said, I only came into this scene in 2020. So I, I really don't touch Facebook. I never really had a Facebook presence and I really don't now. But, you know, throw that into the loop too if you do keep up with that. So yes, I 100% recommend repurposing this video content across these platforms. But I do just want to mention some key differences that I've noticed in what types of videos do best on which platforms. So uh, number one, Instagram, everybody's favorite. I find on Instagram that the short teaser videos with trending sounds do really well. So that'll be something like the final, you know, a big slice of cake on a plate with a fork digging in. And that's the video. These short little teasers, because people are scrolling so fast, they really, you know, keep interest quick. And if there's a trending sound that kind of goes with it, then that does really good as well. So uh, on Instagram, you know, longer videos do well as well. You know, if you're showing a full recipe, but Instagram, I find the short little teasers of just, you know, the final beauty shot um, are what people really like on Instagram. Okay. What do people like on TikTok? Is it the same or is it a little different? On TikTok, again, this, this is sort of, you know, my research both as a consumer and as a creator. So I find on TikTok, they don't like those short little teasers. TikTok, people want to be entertained, inspired, or educated. Those are the main three things that, you know, I, I've heard people say this before, and I do find it to be true on TikTok. So on TikTok, I find that they like the full recipe. They don't like to be left hanging with just the little teaser. TikTok people come to, you know, scroll for minutes and or hours and be entertained. So on TikTok, I like to post a full recipe, making it start to finish, of course, with the beauty shots in there. And that could either be any of the audios. It could be an ASMR. I often do a voiceover, you know, explaining how the recipe is going, or you could share a story, people like that as well, or a full volume trending sound with, you know, quick cuts and good editing. Those ones do really well on TikTok too. Okay. I have a couple of questions about TikTok. So I use my TikTok account for my podcast side, so not necessarily for food, but I found that the most popular ones or the ones that people like the most are the ones where I right away, like right off the bat, I explain what I'm going to do, whether I'm going to entertain, inspire, educate. So I say like, okay, we're going to talk about how to increase your blog traffic quickly or something like that. Like tell them right off the bat what your goal is and then get into it. Do you do that with food videos as well? Absolutely. So I'll, you know, maybe start with something quick, like it's hot outside. Let's make this refreshing smoothie recipe so that you can right. grab the people right away. You want to grab them in the first one to two seconds. Otherwise they're scrolling because there's so much other content out there. So that's, that's great, Megan. And that's what I do as well. If it's either, you know, an audio, like explain right away what you're going to do or if it's a very quick video shot, 
Ideally, you'll have, you know, maybe some type of movement. Maybe it's the fork going into the cake. Maybe it's you taking a bite of a cookie. Something very quick right at the beginning to hook them in and keep them watching. That's great. And then how long do you keep those TikTok videos? I know there's probably a range, but do you have, can you tell us your range? One of my, if so if I do a full recipe video, it's generally 30 to 60 seconds okay. in total. And I keep the, the clips of each little step generally under a second. You want to have very quick cuts, you know, different angles going on to, to keep people's interest. Sometimes I'll speed the clip up a little bit because that's just the style that I like is having very quick cuts, moving through it quickly because it not only keeps me engaged, but it keeps other people engaged and watching. Okay. That is such great info. I love it. So talk us through what you do for your Pinterest videos. Okay. So Pinterest is probably where I spend the least amount of time out of these three, but I think Pinterest is great to just throw any and all content at specifically with the idea pins. So all of these videos that you're making for Instagram and TikTok, throw them up as idea pins. I probably have lesser of a strategy with Pinterest than with these other ones because I just I just throw things up on Pinterest and see how they do. It's kind of like a bonus for me with these video idea pins, but either one of these, you know, short teasers, if it's a full recipe video, I like to throw up as idea pins. And then generally what I'll do, well you can number one, just put the video up. There you go. Easy and done. Sometimes what I like to do is I like to make a second page of the idea pin and I'll put a, the final picture of the recipe and then I'll put, you know, find the full recipe at liveglutenfree.com just so that people know where they can actually go as opposed to just entertaining them. Sometimes I'll do that as well. I feel like Pinterest isn't as picky of a platform. With TikTok and Instagram, you have to kind of get creative and cater to that attention span thing. But with Pinterest, and that's what I'm gathering that you're saying too, you can just kind of throw things up and see what what's working. That's my current strategy. You know, I don't know as well what Pinterest actually likes <laughs> as opposed to Instagram. What do you like Pinterest? <laughs> it's a great question. But I also know that, well, you know, myself, I'm not really going on Pinterest and specifically looking for videos so these videos are really just going to be what pops up in front of people. So you you also do kind of want to hook them in. But I really find Pinterest as a great place for just repurposing this content because I don't find a need to make a third type of content at this point. That's a great point. You don't go on Pinterest, and I don't think most people do, to find video necessarily. They go to find maybe recipes or fashion, you know, like they have a topic in mind, but not necessarily a video. Whereas on TikTok, you go to consume videos. So it's exactly. completely different. Exactly. So I, so I create, you know, this video content with Instagram and TikTok in mind and then putting it on Pinterest. I just see it as a bonus, bonus content. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is so good. Okay. Can you talk through, Olivia, the equipment that you need? You mentioned earlier that you use your phone for video, which I love because the days of like elaborate camera setups with all the video equipment yes. are not necessarily needed anymore. So talk through what you use. Absolutely. So yes, I do film all my video content 
vertically on my iPhone. I use an iPhone 10, guys, which I don't think many people are using anymore. But that's just proves that it doesn't matter what you have. Anything that can record video is going to work great. So I'm actually hoping to upgrade that soon. But my iPhone is what I use to record all of this video. And I have a tripod for the phone. But the one that I have, it has like a clamp base. So it kind of clamps onto the countertop. I might be upgrading that one soon as well. I know a lot of people like the Archon mount. So it sits flat on the table and then it has a couple little levers to put the phone above the table. So there's a couple different types. And Megan, I can send you some links for those afterwards oh, awesome. for people. Yeah. But basically a phone and some sort of phone tripod. Okay. And that's it for actually taking the video. That that actually is it. I don't use anything extra for audio. I don't use anything extra for the video. It's just me, my phone, and my tripod when I record. And what do you do for lighting? Do you do natural, artificial? I do use natural lighting exclusively for my videos, which I know a lot of people do actually because, of course, it's the most accessible I do dabble in artificial light for my photos. I have a large flash and a soft box. Just because I was finding for the pictures specifically, my natural lighting was a bit inconsistent. So what I'll do is, you know, I'll be at my counter. I have my phone recording the video at my counter of whatever it is that I'm doing. And then I will pause. I'll take my bowl or whatever walk it over just a couple steps to where I have my light set up and then I'll snap the process picture and go back. But if you're doing this all in natural lighting, you don't even have to move. You can just stop recording, snap your process picture, and then keep going with the video. Okay. I love your ability to streamline. I, this is like so exciting for me. <laughs> you can see you can see the engineering background. Oh gosh. Yes. But it's so efficient, which Yeah, like I said earlier, you have to figure these things out in order to stay sane as a food blogger. So I love that you are doing this. What do you use for editing your video? For editing my video, again, I do it all on my phone. Since all the content is on my phone, I like to edit in my phone. I use the app called CapCut, C-A-P-C-U-T. I don't hear a lot of people talking about this one, but it's very similar to like an InShot, like I know a lot of people use. It's totally free. It has great features. I can, you know, edit my clips down. I can change the speed of the clips, change the audio. I can do the voiceover right in the app. You can even add captions right in the app. It'll do the auto-generated captions from your voiceover if you want. It has lots of effects and transitions. If you like that, you can also sort of adjust, you know, the color a little bit if you need to. Sometimes I find my shadows are really dark, so you can actually adjust that in the video in this app. So I highly recommend using CapCut. That's what I use to edit. Awesome. I do use InShot and I really like it. It's very just robust, I feel like. Like yes. I can do whatever I want in there, so glad to have an, an, another option there. Do you have any just overall video tips for us as far as, I don't know, anything, like anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I just kind of have, you know, a couple that I always tend to remind myself of when I am filming this these videos. Number one, which can be challenging, is to just find the best lighting. So I actually just moved last week. And so I'm having to go through all of this again in a new place to find out what time of day has the best lighting? 
what area has the best lighting and you know how can I make that work for my videos this is again if you're using natural lighting or you know if your best lighting is using an artificial light you can use that too but lighting is the number one thing that you know you can't really edit away in a video and it's what can make the video pop so if you know you just have to find the best light in your kitchen maybe you have to you know move like a little cart or something in front of your window to find your best lighting I've seen people do that and that's where they film their whole video but another thing with lighting is it can also influence a style that people begin to recognize from you. So I see some food bloggers, they only record their videos in direct sunlight. So they get that really bright light and those really, you know, strong shadows. And when I see one of their videos come up, I recognize it just because of the lighting. So so lighting is very important, can be very tricky, but I recommend just practicing and finding the light that you like best in your videos. So lighting can actually be part of your style. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Those really harsh, you know, bright sunlight makes you think of summer. Maybe they live in a tropical place or something. It can really affect the whole vibe of your video for sure. That is a great tip. What other tips do you have? Okay, so definitely you want to be yourself. Like I said, you want to, you know, maybe throw in a clip of yourself, show your personality, show your, you know, this is a business term, your unique selling proposition of why people should follow you, why people should make your recipes, you know, and that could be through, you know, showing those little imperfect moments where maybe the flour goes everywhere, maybe you get you know, butter all over the counter or something like those little things that don't go right that you happen to catch on video because we're recording everything. Throw those into the video and it really helps people see the real human behind the screen. Mm, I think that's so important. That's such an important tip. Okay. Do you have any others for us? Yes. So you want to show those drool worthy shots. You want to make sure that you get a really nice final shot of whatever it is that you're making in the good lighting, ideally with some type of action. So if it's a casserole, scooping it out of the dish, if it's a cake, you've got the fork going into the slice. Those different types of final action shots are great. And I actually like to put those at the beginning of the video to hook people in and see what it is that they're going to get to make if they watch the whole thing. That was kind of my second point as well as to have a hook to grab the viewer's attention. So some sort of action, some sort of beauty shot of the dish to put in the beginning, grab people's attention, make it look so good that they need to keep watching the video to know how to make it. And then they'll keep watching. Maybe they'll click over to your website. Maybe they'll make it. That's the that's the pipeline, ideally. And lucky for all of you listening, you are a food blogger and food by nature is just inviting. So use the food to invite people in, whether it's with that forkful of moist cake or a, you know, like an oozy cheese pull or yes. like there's so much opportunity to in like two seconds pull people in with food. So I think that we have we have a leg up on other content creators because of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have two more points here. Quick tips. Number one is I like to keep quick, jumpy clips to keep attention. Like I said, I like to keep my clips under a second each. 
And maybe sometimes I speed them up to like 1.5 speeds, depending on what it is, different angles, different shots, throw in a shot of you, then a shot of the bowl, keep it interesting for the people watching. And then my last one is, this one has a time and place, but to have a story or a purpose of the video. So that could be as simple as, you know, showing the recipe start to finish. That could be telling a story in your voiceover. That could be sharing, you know, a helpful tip or trick. So to have a purpose with every piece of content is really important. And I always try to think back to that when I'm recording and editing a video as to what is the purpose of this? What am I helping someone to make? What am I showing them how to do? And, you know, when when something is helpful, that's what people are looking for. And that'll help them keep watching. Olivia, this was so good. I am so excited about this episode. This is so helpful. I think anyone listening is going to be just so grateful for all of the information you provided. Is there anything we've forgotten that you feel like we need to touch on before we start saying goodbye? I think that we just about covered it. You know, my main thing is to just keep practicing and to keep up that consistency with video. It can feel so overwhelming at first. And, you know, like I said in the beginning, it took me about a year and a half to get this process down pat. And and this is how it works for me. So to keep practicing, to keep videoing things and to keep putting it out there on social media is going to be your best chance at improving and having success with it. And one of my favorite concepts that you brought up is just that consistency is going to increase your chances of being lucky and getting traction on something that you had no idea would ever get traction. So just that consistency piece is absolutely vital here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Olivia. It was such a pleasure to chat with you today. I loved all this information. Do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today? I do, Megan. So my words of inspiration are twofold. Number one, as I said, don't give up. If food blogging success is something that you really want, you have to keep moving, making baby steps forward. And there may be some steps backwards, but that just means that you have an opportunity to take an even bigger leap. And number two, to pivot when you feel ready. So if pivoting to the newest trend like video stresses you out, I highly encourage you to try it at your own pace to practice and learn these workflows that work best for you and your space and your business and keep practicing, posting, and the feedback and engagement will come if you're consistent. Oh, that is such great advice. I love it. And that's the great thing is that there's no template that any of us have to follow. We can do our own thing and make our own journey work, right? So Absolutely. And that and that will only work out for the best for you to be unique and to tell your own story and to run your business in your own way. Beautiful. Thank you for ending that way, Olivia. We will put together some show notes for you if you want to go look at those and all the resources and information that Olivia provided during the episode. You can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash live gluten free. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you online and on social media? Absolutely. So my website is liveglutenfree.com. That's L-I-V glutenfree.com where I post all of my gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan recipes. 
And you can also find me mostly on Instagram and TikTok where I am at live gluten-free. Everyone go check Olivia out. Thank you again so much for being here, Olivia. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.